Hello and welcome to the Truth Seekers Podcast. A truth seeker is someone who wants to know the truth. They search for what's true and they won't rest until they find it. I am a truth seeker and if you are too, then you've come to the right place where we will search for truth each week in the stories of the Bible. Well, welcome back, friends, to another episode of the True Seekers Podcast. In our last episode, we learned how the Israelites began to return home, back to their promised land. King Cyrus, the new king of Persia, declared that all of those who had been taken captive under King Nebuchadnezzar could now return to their homes in the land of Israel. This caused much joy and excitement, as you can imagine. The people packed their belongings and prepared to return home. Have you ever been away from your home for a long period of time? Maybe you went on vacation for a few days or a few weeks, and when it was time to return, you were so happy to be back in your own home and sleeping in your own bed. Well, it had been 70 years. Many of these Israelites were ready to return to their home, to their land, the land that God had promised them through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. After some time had gone by and the Israelites had settled back into their towns and their homes, they assembled together in Jerusalem. They knew the very first thing that must be done before anything else could be fixed or repaired, before they could even begin to think about rebuilding the temple, was that they must first rebuild the altar. You see, the altar was the place where the priests sacrificed the animals unto the Lord. The altar was where the people made atonement for their sins. They knew they were sinners and they needed God's forgiveness. And the altar was the place for them to repent, to worship God and turn from their sins. The altar was where the blood of the animals was shed that would point to the blood that one day Jesus would come to shed for us. The blood represented forgiveness of sins. This was important because they knew they could not stand before a holy God without the forgiveness and cleansing of their sins. All of the priests, along with the governor Zerubbabel and his associates, began to build the altar of God to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both in the morning and in the evening. You see, sacrifices were brought to the Lord morning and evening every single day. It was a reminder of their complete dependence upon the Lord. Every morning and every evening, they would come before the Lord to worship Him and offer their sacrifices to Him. You see, it was not the animals that washed them clean of their sins. It was their faith in God who was able to cleanse them and save them. God looks at the heart of His people, and He would look at the hearts of the Israelites to see if they truly were worshiping Him and putting their complete faith in Him and His ability to forgive them and save them. Once the altar of the Lord had been built, they turned their attention to the rebuilding of the temple. The grand and beautiful temple that King Solomon had built was no longer standing. 
But they knew God had given Moses instructions for the building of the temple in order that he might have a home, a dwelling place among his people. They had been in captivity in Babylon for many years, and now that they were home, they wanted to rebuild the dwelling place of the Lord. They knew God would be their protector and shield as they put him first. So all of the people collected what money they had, and they gave their offerings to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. The house of the Lord was going to be built. There was excitement in the air. They were gladly and willingly giving of their own money to go to the building of the house of the Lord. In the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, Joshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work. They appointed Levites 20 years old and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. All those who were part of the tribe of Levi, the ones whom God had set apart to be the caretakers of the temple, all the Levites who were present joined together in supervising those who were working on the house of the Lord. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. It was the beginning of the temple of the Lord. They had a foundation. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads (laughs) who were older and had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, they were weeping. Why were they weeping, you ask? Why were they so sad on such a joyous occasion? Well, friends, they had seen the magnificence and grandeur and beauty of the first temple that King Solomon had built, and the foundation that had been laid for the new temple was nowhere near as grand or as beautiful as the first house of the Lord. Their hearts grieved and cried out for what used to be. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Now, there were other people living in the land who were watching these Israelites who had come home. You see, during the 70 years that the Israelites had been gone from the land, foreigners had come to live in the land. Many of the foreigners had been placed there by the Assyrians when the Assyrians had once invaded the land. Do you remember King Shalmaneser? He had taken prisoners and placed them in the land of Israel after he had removed the Israelites. They were not happy and did not like that the Israelites had returned and were rebuilding. They did not believe in Yahweh, the one true and living God, and they certainly did not worship him. Who were these Israelites to come back to the land they had been living in? 
Who were these Israelites to build an altar to this God Yahweh, they thought? Who were these Israelites to build a temple on their land where they had been living? When these enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of the king of Assyria who brought us here. But they were lying. They did not really want to help at all. They just wanted to cause trouble. So Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. These enemies of the Israelites would not stop. Year after year after year after year, they came against the Israelites and tried to stop them from building the temple. They continued until a new king came to power in Persia. This king's name was Xerxes. Can you say Xerxes? When Xerxes became king, the enemies of the Israelites saw their chance. They wrote a letter to this new king and accused the Israelites of wrongdoing. Here is the letter they sent to King Xerxes. The king should know that the people who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, they will not pay you taxes. No more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Now since we are under obligation to the palace, it is not proper for us to see the king dishonored. We need to tell you everything, king. We are sending this message to inform the king so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city, Jerusalem, and these people are a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and provinces, a place with a long history of sedition. That is why this city was destroyed. We inform the king that if this city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing. Did you hear that, truth seekers? They accused Jerusalem and the Israelites of horrible things. They called them rebellious and wicked. Did they not know? Had they not heard of the God of Jerusalem, of the God of Israel, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who brought down the walls of Jericho, and the God who raised people back to life? Oh, they did not know who they were accusing. They did not realize who they were speaking so badly against. Did they not know that King Cyrus himself had given them permission to build this temple? But King Cyrus was gone. He was no longer king. What would this new king, King Xerxes, do when he read this letter saying such horrible things about the Israelites? Sadly, when King Xerxes read their letter, he commanded the work on the temple to be stopped. 
He responded in a letter back to them saying, Now issue an order to these men to stop work, so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interest? Who knows what these people might do if we continue to let them build this city and its temple and its walls? And so King Xerxes believed the lies, the threats of the enemies of Israel. And thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a complete standstill. Nothing was being done. The people of God could not continue to work on the temple to rebuild it by order of King Xerxes. And for 18 years, 18 long years, no work was done to rebuild the temple. The only work that had been done was the laying of the foundation. And so the foundation sat for 18 years with no new temple upon it. Dear truth seekers, can you imagine how it must have felt for the Israelites to become so excited about the work of God in rebuilding his house when as soon as they started, they had to stop? Have you ever felt disappointment? Have you ever felt tempted to quit or to give up? Have you ever felt like your dreams just could never happen? The Israelites had dreamt of the day they would return to their promised land and rebuild their homes and rebuild the temple of the Lord. Little did they know there would be such opposition. Little did they know it would be so hard and they would be accused of being wicked and rebellious. Did you know that in the Bible, the devil is called the accuser? He is the one who accuses. He accuses us all day long. Just like the enemies of the Israelites accused them, he accuses us all day long. He points his finger at us, laughing at us, trying to throw obstacles in our way to keep us from doing the work that God has called us to do. He tries to make you think it is near impossible to do anything great for God. He reminds you of your sins and says, you're too sinful. God could never use you. When the devil tries to accuse you, I want you to go right back to what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus has taken our sins. Jesus has placed his righteousness upon us. We have the righteousness of Jesus upon us. The devil knows this, but he tries to get us not to see it or believe it. He knows if we believe him instead, we will stop doing the work God has called us to do. But don't believe him, friends. Jesus covers you with his robes of righteousness. Jesus is perfect and clean and holy, and he gives his perfection, his cleanliness, his holiness to you. When God looks at you, he does not see your sin. He sees Jesus' holiness upon you. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, he places his purity upon you. And in his purity, in his holiness, you can follow the Lord and do what the Lord calls you to do. You've been washed clean. You've been set apart. You've been made holy through Jesus. And in Jesus, we are made strong and ready to be used by God. Don't let the accusations of the devil cause you to feel defeated. He will try to shout at you all day long. 
But instead of listening to him, turn your ears to God's word and listen to what the Bible has to say about you. That is how you will overcome. If you'd like to read today's story in your Bible, you can find it in Ezra chapters 3 and 4. Let me pray with you before we go. Dear Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers me. I thank you that we do not have to offer animal sacrifices anymore, but your blood washes us clean. You were the sacrifice for our sins. Help me not to listen to the accusations of the devil. Help me to keep my ears from believing his lies. Instead, fill me with your truth. Remind me that you have made me holy. You have made me clean because I have your righteousness upon me. When I have your robes of holiness upon me, the devil cannot get to me. I am safe under the covering of Jesus. Help me to press in and not give up, even when obstacles stand in front of me. I know that through you, I can do what you've asked me to do. Help me to keep going and moving forward into whatever I have been called to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, I have an email I'd like to read. It says, hello, my name is Cadence. I am six years old. Sometimes I get upset and overwhelmed when I have to fold my clothes, but listening to True Seekers helps me calm down. I listened to five episodes on my first day. I really enjoy learning the Bible stories. Cadence Lyde. Cadence, thank you so much for that email. And I'm so glad that the podcast helps you to calm down. And I'm so glad that you love listening to the stories. So thank you for sending that in. And finally, I have a review here to read from Patreon. It says, Jacqueline is six and has been listening to your podcast every night before she goes to bed. And last night, she asked me to sign up on Patreon first thing this morning. My favorite Bible story in the Bible is John the Baptist and Esther. I love listening to your podcast every night. I can't choose a favorite. Lots of love, Jack. Well, Jack, thank you so much for listening. And I love John the Baptist and Esther too. Both stories that we have not gotten to yet, but we are getting pretty close to learning about Esther. So stay tuned for that. And if I have not read an email or review that you have sent, if I've missed it over or overlooked it, please send it to me again. If it's something that you sent that I never read and you would like to hear it read, then by all means, please send that to me again. Make sure I see it. Um, I don't want to miss anybody. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to our time together next week. <laughs>